Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our Course in Miracles daily reading conference call. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles original edition, published by our dear friends, the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net. Or if you mouse the link at top for online edition, you'll see the link to read A Course in Miracles OE. Also on that website, there's an option called Lesson Sign Up, where you can sign up to receive a daily excellent email, including both the text reading for the day as well as the daily lesson. My name is Lori Cameron. This call is Monday through Friday from about 9.15 to about 11 a.m. Eastern. And today we continue our reading of Chapter 20, The Promise of the Resurrection, with Section 4, Sin as an Adjustment. We're also mindful of our lesson today. Lesson 226. My home awaits me. I will hasten there. And by way of opening this morning, I have to offer this lovely poem from Rumi that speaks so clearly of our home. It goes like this. I am so close, I may look distant, so completely mixed with you, I may look separate. So out in the open, I appear hidden. So silent, because I am constantly talking to you. This is home. Amen. Oh, thank you, Lori. Thank you. Amen. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you, Lori. That was lovely. I could stay there. <laughs> okay, my friends, here's our reading list this morning. We have Lemoyne and Fran and Judy. We're joined in listening this morning by Wendy and Lana. Uh, is there anyone else who'd like to say good morning or be on the reading list? Hi, Lori, it's Karen. Did you miss me? I didn't hear you, and yes, I did miss you. <laughs> Thank you. I can read. Glad you're here. Okay. All right, thank you so much. Okay, so here we go. In Chapter 20, The Promise of the Resurrection, Section 4, Sin as an Adjustment. Beginning today with Paragraph 16. The belief in sin is an adjustment, and an adjustment is a change, a shift in perception, or a belief that what was so before has been made different. Every adjustment is therefore a distortion and calls upon defenses to uphold it against reality. Knowledge requires no adjustment and is in fact lost if any shift or change is undertaken. For this reduces it at once to mere perception, a way of looking in which certainty is lost and doubt has entered. To this impaired condition are adjustments necessary because they are not true. Who need adjust to truth which calls on only calls on only what he is to understand?
Chapter 20, The Promise of the Resurrection, Section 4, Sin as an Adjustment. The belief in sin is an adjustment, and an adjustment is a change, a a shift in perception, or a belief that what was so before has been made different. Every adjustment is therefore a distortion and calls upon defenses to uphold it against reality. Knowledge requires no adjustment, and in fact is lost if any shift or change is undertaken. For this reduces it at once to mere perception, a way of looking in which certainty is lost and doubt has entered. To this impaired condition are adjustments necessary because they are not true. Who needs adjust to truth, which calls only on what he is to understand? Adjustments of any kind are of the ego, for it is the ego's fixed belief that all relationships depend on adjustments to make of them what it would have them be. Direct relationships, in which there are no interferences, are always seen as dangerous. The ego is the self-appointed mediator of all relationships, making whatever adjustments it deems necessary and interposing them between those who would meet to keep them separate and prevent their union. It is this studied interference which makes it difficult for you to recognize your holy relationship for what it is. Thank you, LeMoyne. And Fran. 17. Adjustments of any kind are of the ego, for it is the ego's fixed belief that all relationships depend upon adjustments to make of them what it would have them be. Direct relationships, in which there are no interferences, are always seen as dangerous. The ego is the self-appointed mediator of all relationships making whatever adjustments it deems necessary and interposing them between those who would need to keep them separate and prevent their union. It is this studied interference which makes it difficult for you to recognize your holy relationship for what it is. 18. The holy do not interfere with truth. They are not afraid of it, for it is within the truth they recognize their holiness and rejoice at what they saw. They look on it directly, without attempting to adjust themselves to it or it to them. And so they saw that it was in them, not deciding first where they would have it be. Their looking merely asked a question, and it was what they saw that answered them. You make the world, and then adjust to it and it to you. Nor is there any difference between yourself and it in your perception, which made them both. Thank you, Fran. And Judy. Yes, thank you, Lori. 18. The holy do not interfere with truth. They are not afraid of it, for it is within the truth they recognize their holiness and rejoiced at what they saw. 
they looked on it directly without attempting to adjust themselves to it or it to them. And so they saw that it was in them, not deciding first where they would have it be. Their looking merely asked a question, and it was what they saw that answered them. You make the world and then adjust to it, and it to you. Nor is there any difference between yourself and it in your perception, which made them both. Nor is there any difference between yourself and it in your perception, which made them both. A simple 19. A simple question yet remains and needs an answer. Do you like what you have made? A world of murder and attack through which you tread your timid way through constant dangers, alone and frightened, hoping at most that death will wait a little longer before it overtakes you and you disappear? You made this up. It is a picture of what you think you are, of how you see yourself. A murderer is frightened, and those who kill fear death. All these are but the fearful thoughts of those who would adjust themselves to a world made fearful by their adjustments. And they look out in sorrow from what is sad within and see the sadness there, out there. Thank you. I'm <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Judy. And Karen. 19. A simple question yet remains and needs an answer. Do you like what you have made? A world of murder and attack through which you thread your timid way through constant dangers, alone and frightened, hoping at most that death will wait a little longer before it overtakes you and you disappear? You made this up. It is a picture of what you think you are, of how you see yourself. A murderer is frightened, and those who kill fear death. All these are but the fearful thoughts of those who would adjust themselves to a world made fearful by their adjustments. And they look out in sorrow from what is sad within and see the sadness there. 20. Have you not wondered what the world is really like? How it would look through happy eyes? The world you see is but a judgment on yourself. It is not there at all. Yet judgment lays a sentence upon it. I'm sorry. Judgment, yet judgment lays a sentence on it, justifies it, and makes it real. Such is the world you see a judgment on yourself and made by you. The sixthly picture of yourself is carefully preserved by the ego, whose image it is and which it loves, and placed outside you in the world. And to this world must you adjust, as long as you believe this picture is outside and has you at its mercy. This world is merciless, 
and worried outside you, you should definitely be fearful. Yet, it was you who made it merciless. And now, if mercilessness seems to look back at you, it can be corrected. Oh, yes. Thank you, Karen. And would there be a new reader for paragraph 20 and 21? Sure, I can do that. Thanks, Rob Marie. 20. Have you not wondered what the world is really like? How it would look through happy eyes? The world you see is but a judgment on yourself. It is not there at all. Yet judgment lays a sentence on it, justifies it, and makes it real. Such is the world you see. A judgment on yourself and made by you. The sickly picture of yourself is carefully preserved by the ego, whose image it is and which it loves, and placed outside you in the world. And to this world must you adjust, as long as you believe this picture is outside and has you at its mercy. This world is merciless, and were it outside you, you should indeed be fearful. Yet it was you who made it merciless. And now if mercilessness seems to look back at you, it can be corrected. 21. Who in a holy relationship can long remain unholy? The world the holy sees is one with them, just as the world the eagle looks upon is like itself. The world the holy see is beautiful because they see their innocence in it. They did not tell it what it was. They did not make adjustments to fit their orders. They gently questioned it and whispered, quote, what are you, unquote. And he who watches over all perception answered, take not the judgment of the world as answer to the question, quote, what am I, unquote. Thank you, Robin Marie. Another new reader for 21 and 22. This is Sandra. I can read. Thank you, Sandra. Just have to pull it up. Give me a minute. Sorry for the delay. Twenty-one. Who in a holy relationship can long remain unholy? The world the holy see is one with them just as the world the ego looks upon is like itself. The world the holy the holy see is beautiful because they see their innocence in it. They did not tell it what it was. They did not make adjustments to fit their orders. They gently questioned it and whispered, What are you? And he who watches over all perception answered, Take not the judgment of the world as answer to the question, 
what am I? 22. The world believes in sin, but the belief that made it as you see it is not outside you. Seek not to make the Son of God adjust to his insanity. There is a stranger in him who wandered carelessly into the home. There is a stranger in him who wandered carelessly into the home of truth and who will wander off. He came without a purpose, but he will not remain before the shining light of Holy Spirit offered, Holy Spirit offered, and you accepted. For there the stranger is made homeless, and you are welcome. Thank you, Sandra. And is there another new reader for 22 and 23? 22 and 23? Okay, back to you, The world believes in sin. I'm going to back up one question, one one sentence. Take not the judgment of the world as answer to the question, what am I? The world believes in sin, but the belief that made it as you see it is not outside you. Seek not to make the Son of God adjust to his insanity. There is a stranger in him who wandered carelessly into the whole home of truth and who will wander off. He came without a purpose, but he will not remain before the shining light the Holy Spirit offered and you accepted. For there the stranger is made homeless and you are welcome. <clears throat> Ask not this transient stranger, what am I? He is the only thing in all the universe that does not know. Yet it is he you ask, and it is to his answer that you would adjust. This one wild thought, fierce in its arrogance, and yet so tiny and so meaningless, it slips unnoticed through the universe of truth, becomes your guide. To which you turn to it you turn to ask the meaning of the universe. And of the one blind thing in all the seeing universe of truth, you ask, how shall I look upon the Son of God? Thank you, Lemoyne. And Fran. 23. Ask not this transient stranger, quote, unquote, what am I? He is the only thing in all the universe that does not know. Yet it is he, you ask, and it is to his answer that you would adjust. This one wild thought, fierce in its arrogance and yet so tiny and so meaningless, it slips on notice through the universe of truth, becomes your guide. To it you turn to ask the meaning of the universe. And of the one blind thing in all the same universe of truth, you ask, <clears throat> quote, what shall I look upon, excuse me, quote, how shall I look upon the Son of God, unquote, 24. 
Does one ask judgment of what is totally bereft of judgment? And if you have, would you believe the answer and adjust to it as if it were the truth? The world you look on is the answer that it gave you, and you have given it power to adjust the world to make its answer true. You ask this puff of madness for the meaning of your unholy relationship and adjusted it according to its insane answer. How happy did it make you? Did you meet with joy to bless the Son of God and give him thanks for all the happiness which he held out to you? Did you recognize each other as the eternal gift of God to you? Did you see the holiness that shone in both of you to bless the other? That is the purpose of your holy relationship. Ask not the means of this attainment of the one thing that still would have it be unholy. Give it no power to adjust the means and the end. Thank you, Fran and Judy. Powerful stuff. Thank you, Lori. 24. Does one ask judgment of what is totally bereft of judgment? And if you have, would you believe the answer and adjust to it as if it were the truth? The world you look on is the answer that it gave you, and you have given it power to adjust the world to make its answer true. You ask this puff of madness for the meaning of your unholy relationship and adjusted it according to its insane answer. How happy did it make you? Did you meet with joy to bless the Son of God and give him thanks for all the happiness which he held out to you? Did you recognize each other as the eternal gift of God to you? Did you see the holiness that shone in both of you to bless the other? That is the purpose of your holy relationship. If not the means of its attainment of the one thing that still would have it be unholy. Give it no power to adjust the means, and the end. 25. Prisoners bound with heavy chains for years, starved and emaciated, weak and exhausted, with eyes so long cast down in darkness. They remember not the light. Do not leap up in joy the instant they are made free. It takes a while for them to understand what freedom is. You groped but feebly in the dust and found each other's hand, uncertain whether to let it go or to take hold on life so long forgotten. Strengthen your hold and raise your eyes unto your strong companions in whom the meaning of your freedom lies. He seemed to be crucified beside you, and yet his holiness remained untouched and perfect. And with him beside you, you shall this day enter with him to paradise, 
and know the peace of God. Wow. Thank you. Thank you, Judy. And Karen. 25. Prisoners bound with heavy chains for years, starved and emaciated, weak and exhausted, and with eyes so long cast down in darkness, they remember not the light. Do not leap up in joy the instant they are made free. It takes a while for them to understand what freedom is. You groped but feebly in the dust and found each other's hands, uncertain whether to let it go or to take hold on life so long forgotten. Strengthen your hold and raise your eyes unto your strong companion in whom the meaning of your freedom lies. He seemed to be crucified beside you, and yet his holiness remained untouched and perfect. And with him beside you, you shall this day enter with him to paradise and know the peace of God. 26. Such is my will for both of you, and for each of you, for one another, and for himself. Here there is only holiness and joining without limit. For what is heaven but union, direct and perfect, and without the veil of fear upon it? Here are we one, looking with perfect gentleness upon each other and on ourselves. Here all thought of any separation between us becomes impossible. You who were prisoners in separation are now made free in paradise. And here would I unite with you, my friends, my brothers, and myself. Your gift unto each other has given me the certainty our union will be soon. Oh, thank you, Karen. And Robin Marie. And yet his holiness remained untouched and perfect. And with him beside you, you shall this day enter with him to paradise and know the peace of God. 26. Such is my will for both of you and for each of you for one another and for himself. Here there is only holiness and joining without limit. For what is heaven but union, direct and perfect and without the veil of fear upon it. Here are we one, looking with perfect gentleness upon each other and on ourselves. Here all thoughts of any separation between us become impossible. You who were prisoners in separation are now made free in paradise, and here would I unite with you, my friends, my brothers, and myself. Your gift unto each other has given me the certainty our union will be soon. 27. Share then this faith with me and know that it is justified. There is no fear in perfect love because it knows no sin and it must look on others as on itself. 
Looking with charity within, what can it fear without? The innocent see safety, and the pure in heart see God within his Son, and look unto the Son to lead them to the Father. And where else would they go but where they will to be? Each of you now will lead the other to the Father, as surely as God created his Son holy and kept him so. In your brother is the light of God's eternal promise of your immortality. See him as sinless, and there can be no fear in you. Thank you, Robin Marie. Uh, and Sandra. <clears throat> Share then the faith with me and know that it is justified. There is no fear in perfect love because it knows no sin and it must look on others as on itself. Looking with charity within, what can it fear without? The innocent see safety and the pure in heart see God within his Son and look unto the Son to lead them to the Father. And where else would they go but where they will be? Each of you now will lead the other to the Father as surely as God created his Son holy and kept him so. In your brother is the light of God's eternal promise of your immortality. See him as sinless and there can be no fear in you. Thank you, Sandra, and thank you, everyone who read this morning. This beautiful section is an adjustment. Uh, I think to highlight just from paragraph 25, prisoners bound in heavy chains for years, starved and emaciated, weak and exhausted, and with eyes so long cast down in darkness, that it takes a while to remember not the light. Do not leap up in joy the instant they are made free. It takes a while for them to understand what freedom is. You grope but feebly in the dust and found each other's hand, uncertain whether to let it go or take hold on life so long forgotten. Strengthen your hold and raise your eyes unto your strong companion in whom the meaning of your freedom lies. He seemed to be crucified beside you, and yet his holiness remained untouched and perfect. And with him beside you, you shall this day enter with him to paradise and know the peace of God. Such is my will for both of you, and for each of you, for one another, and for himself. Here there is only holiness and joining without limit. For what is heaven but union, direct and perfect without the veil of fear upon it? Here are we one, looking with perfect gentleness upon each other and on ourselves. Here all thoughts of any separation between us become impossible. You who were prisoners in separation are now made free in paradise And here would I unite with you, my friends, my brothers, and myself. 
Your gift unto each other is, give me the certainty our union will be soon. Share then this faith with me, and know that it is justified. There is no fear in perfect love, because it knows no sin, and it must look on others as itself. Looking with charity within, what can it fear without? The innocent sees safety and the pure in heart see God within his Son and look unto the Son to lead them to the Father. Then where else would they go but where they will to be? Each of you now will lead the other to the Father as surely as God created his Son holy and kept him so. In your brother is the light of God's eternal promise of your immortality. See him as sinless, and there can be no fear in you. Amen. And oh gee whiz, how perfect is our lesson today. <laughs> My home awaits me, I will hasten there. So Fran, we look to you again this morning to lead us in our reflection of the lesson. Um before we open the floor, okay? Yes, yes. Thank you. Thanks for that Thank review. You. That was good. Thank you. Hi, everybody. Second part of the workbook. And the theme that we're on now is what is forgiveness. And today's lesson is lesson 226. My home awaits me. I will hasten there. So I'm going to read a couple of paragraphs from what is forgiveness and then we'll go over to our five-minute practice. What is forgiveness? Any forgiving thought is one which makes a judgment that it will not raise to doubt, although it is not true. The mind is closed and will not be released. An unforgiving thought does many things. In frantic action, it pursues its goal, twisting and overturning what it sees as interfering with its chosen path. Distortion is its purpose and the means by which it would accomplish it as well. Forgiveness, on the other hand, is still and quietly does nothing. It offends no aspect of reality nor seeks to twist it to appearance that it likes. It merely looks and waits and judges not. He who would not forgive must judge, for he must justify his failure to forgive. But he who would forgive himself must learn to welcome truth exactly as it is. Do nothing then, and let forgiveness show you what to do through him who is your guide, your savior, and defender. And we'll go over to the lesson now. I'll read a little bit from that. Lesson 226, my home awaits me. I will hasten there. If I so choose, I can depart this world entirely. It is not death which makes this possible, but it is change of mind about the purpose of the world. Father, my home awaits my glad return. Your arms are open and I hear your voice. What need have I to linger in a place of vain desires and of broken dreams where heaven can so easily be mine? Lesson 226, my home awaits me. I will hasten there. Now we'll take our five minutes. 
Lesson 226. My home awaits me. I will hasten there. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Fran. Thank you, Fran. Amen. Well done. Thank you, Fran. Oh, thank you so much, Fran. Thank you, Thank friend. you, friend. Good morning. This is Ida. Um, when I hear this lesson, I have to ask myself, have I ever in this lifetime ever been to my home, my real home with God? So I think about it and I think, yes, I've had my moments. I had my maybe a whole minute at a time at times in my life. But, and I don't remember when I was a little girl. Maybe it was longer then. But in the time I can remember, that's what it's been. Just like holy incense when I fortunately I had one recently and that's great since it seems like I hadn't had one for quite a while when I was in sort of a healing mode with myself and praying for others and uh, and I had that that kind of experience but anyway I hope you all have at least that kind of experience if not more and longer than that um, because it's a really good experience and it feels transcendent like I'm not my body I'm not my ego I am one with God and all of you thank you I'm complete oh thank you Ida thank you thank you Thanks, Ida, for your beautiful wish for us. Yes, thank you, Ida. Hi, um, good morning, guys. It's Jude. I've um, tried to stand in the truth. What the Course is teaching me, trying to teach me, is the truth about who I am. And one of my favorite lines... Um, from the text that I, I really latched on to that this ego, this image of myself as a body, was a mistake in my se- sense of self-appraisal, that I am not the body, I am not what the body-mind thinks, I am not the personality that I think I am. This is all something that's accumulated through worldly knowledge that was taught to me, that I was given a name and a body when I was born and I was placed on the earth. 
And I was, since I was a little girl, taught that heaven was the place that I went to when I died. Now, I remember when I was really little, maybe in the second grade. No, I think I was still carryable because I was in my grandmother's arms at a funeral. And I said, where, where did they go? Where did Grandpa go? And grandmother said, the body is just a house. It's not your home. And home is where and God is everywhere. And now Grandpa's at home everywhere. So the body is a house. It's not my home. And, you know, I, I remember that. I mean, I was little. And it really comforted me and took away the sense of being afraid to die, that it wasn't <laughs> anything to be scared of. And um, this sin is adjustment, that sin is the belief that we're separate and alone and mortal in a body, and it's just a mistaken false belief, a false sense of self versus my true sense of myself, which is open-minded. And I was thinking this morning about the changes, the changes in learning what the laws of love are. Um, versus what we're taught is worldly, um, man-made laws, you know, world, the world of laws of, of health and nutrition and laws of economy and, and richer and poorer and better and, you know, worse and less and more and all those comparative and unequal kinds of scales of, the hierarchy of illusions of the ego, and how crazy all that thinking is and how crazy it makes us all think we are in our struggle to find happiness and peace within it. And it's no wonder we keep searching, 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 searching in the world where we cannot find it. And to learn not to seek outside of myself because I am at home within myself, in the peace and the happiness that God created me to be, that I am at home in the mind of God, a state of mind, of awareness of all of creation as being a part of me, as being a part of the one Son of God, the Word that tells me that I am included and everything is included, and nothing is excluded from it. And nothing is good or bad. It's only in how I look at it. That my thinking in my heart is how I see the world. As I think I am, what I think I am, how I judge myself is how my perception sees everything outside of me. So if I think I'm a body, I'm going to see other bodies. If I think, this is another way I've learned to put it, that I am the instrument through which I see. If I see through the instrument of the body, I see other, in, other bodies and other objects, things as separate and named objects of perception. And if I see through the instrument of my one Christ mind, I see everything as an idea, a part.
part of the one mind that I share with God. And if I look through the eyes of the capital presence of God, of being present, presence itself, everything is presence, in its presence, of its presence, as its presence. <laughs> and that's being it, being in the house of truth. And I never noticed this this line in the text today where it says, the house of truth, and um, being at home in truth, being at home in truth is a constant and changeless state that I never leave. I don't come and go to heaven. I leave heaven in one thought, one thought of separation. Only one thought can separate me. And that's all it takes, one Jude thought. (laughs) So I keep Jude thinking out of it as much as I can remain still at peace and in happiness. Enjoy, enjoy, enjoy. I am complete. So glad we're all here together. Thank you. Thank you, Jude. That was great. Great discussion on perception. Thank you so much. Thank you, Judy. Thank you, Judy. You had one wise grandmother. Uh, And it seems like you're carrying on the tradition. Thank you very much. Yes, thank you, Julia, for being in my life. I love you so dearly still. Thank you, Harrison. Good morning, this is Sandra, and my home awaits me. I will hasten there, which is, again, tells me that it's there. The outcome is there. It's it's guaranteed. It, It awaits me. It's just a matter of how long do I want to stay in a place of unforgiveness. And the one that I need to forgive the most is myself for not accepting what is God's and my plan for salvation. Because my understanding is that God and I co-create the circumstances, the curriculum of my life. I did this when I was not in physical form with my creator and my soul family. And um, every trigger for me is an opportunity for healing. So um, there, there's an opportunity there to, to feel grateful for the triggers because it's a place of, of, of gratitude to know it's my opportunity to heal my past. Um, I can build my relationship every time I have a trigger. I'm not only building my relationship with Holy Spirit, but with myself. Because that's where the work is done. And when I'm at home within myself, I accept what is truth and grace 
with ease. I can accept the triggers more easily when I'm at home with myself and I'm not um, deeming myself unworthy or not good enough for just being in that place of, I can't do this, you know, it's just too hard. And it's really, it's hard, what's hard about it is is the resistance I have. (laughs) That's what makes it hard. I can do this and I can turn it over to the Holy Spirit and ask to be shown the truth and and forgive myself for believing lies, either lies about my brothers and sisters or lies about myself. I'm complete. Thank you, Sandra. Hi, Very wise about yourself, and since we're all the same, then you're very wise about all of us. Thank you. (laughs) Yes, thank you. I wrote down, I can accept the triggers when I am at home with myself in my book. Thank you so much. Hi, I know I'm double dipping. I wanted to say it's impossible, absolutely impossible to be anywhere but here and now. I can't be anywhere but here and now. It's impossible. Amen. That's it. Amen. <laughs> heaven <laughs> either, it's either heaven or hell. It's up to me. <laughs> yeah, I would say that too, Judy. Thank you. That's the ticket. And I think, Sandra, you reminded me of that when you said that, you know, here and now, is it's eternity. We are existing in eternity. There's no place else to go. There's nowhere else to be. I can only be here and now. And to accept the truth of that and to accept everything else that I'm existing with, as the truth of that. It is what it is. It being God. Everything being God. Capital it is merely what it is. And that is unconditional love. That is unconditional acceptance. And that, I don't have to think about it if I just, if I'm being one with it. It's like everything's okay if I'm okay. And I don't have to think anymore. But where where, and what is heaven, it's here and now. It's always here and now. It's impossible not to be here and now. Amen. Thank you. Yay to present time. Or, am I, or, am, or I am in my head about it, having an opinion, an interpretation, and distorting reality, as per the text today. Thank you. I'll be still now. (laughs) Thank you, Judy. Thank you, Judy. 
Thank you, Sandra. Yeah, thanks, Judy. That that uh, is the central point, and yet, as the text says, prisoners bound with heavy chains for years, with eyes so long cast down in darkness, do not leap up in joy the instant they are made free. And so, I, I want to. I would thank Fran that she is. He's coming off to be with her visiting brother, to visit the other brother, and uh, point out something that she she made me aware of, one of these lovely puns or double meanings that is in uh, What is Forgiveness? In paragraph four, the last sentence. But he who would forgive himself must learn to welcome truth exactly as it is. So to be able to uh, forgive the world, uh, this is, I think is the point you make, Judy, it, to be able to forgive the world that seems to scream for adjustment, to adjust, for us to adjust to it, we have to learn to welcome truth exactly as it is, which is here and now. <laughs> but and there's a second way to read that, which is he who would forgive himself must learn to welcome truth exactly as it is within. And so uh, uh, there is this this. In that statement, there's a statement that it's like, which reminds me of, you know, you can't have of this in parts, right? That alone, by ourselves, we're not, we can't stand against the world that has been adjusted <laughs> out to, to extremes. And, and yet... Um, To forgive ourselves, we still have to learn to welcome truth exactly as it is within. So I think, you know, this this does point to where, you know, it varies. I can see where it's different for different people, where they have to, and it, and it works both ways, that both have to go hand in hand in order to make consistent progress that it's an inside job yes because what you know as within so without is true that way it's not true the other way because believing it's true the other way as without so within that's what that's where the adjustments seem necessary so there is a certain amount of uh having it be an inside job, but it's not just about forgiving ourselves. It's about forgiving the world as well, about being forgiveness, you know, to welcome to being forgiving 
to uh, learn to welcome truth within and to be able to see that truth without is where it really starts to take hold. I just wanted to make that point. It is an inside job, but it's not an inside job in isolation. Yeah, so do nothing then and let forgiveness show you what to do through him who is your guide, your savior, and your defender, strong in hope and certain of your ultimate success and always with you. He has forgiven you already for such his function given him by God. So uh, it's about aligning the will. Now you must share his function and forgive whom he has saved, whose sinlessness he sees, and whom he honors as the Son of God, because we're surrounded by that. <laughs> anyway, I'm complete. Thank you. Thank you, Lemoyne. Thank you, Lemoyne. Thank you, Lemoyne. I loved it. Thank you. So I have a question that I can answer myself. My question is, do I have to welcome truth exactly as it is? What if I just welcome truth mostly as it is, or even like 99% as it is? And the answer is no, that won't work. <laughs> In this course, it, there aren't any mostlies. You either are or you're not. It's like you either are pregnant or you're not. Um, so if I don't welcome truth exactly as it is, like I'm not welcoming truth, I'm welcoming truth zero. I'm not welcoming truth at all if, unless I'm welcoming it completely exactly as it is. I just thought that was an interesting point. Thanks. I'm complete. Thank you, Ida. That is so very true, Ida. Thank you. That's an excellent point, Ida. Thank you. What is always and forever true, and only the truth is true, and nothing else is true. And what is real cannot be threatened, and what is unreal does not exist. Herein lies the peace of God. We have to accept, acknowledge, and claim the truth of who and what we are as God created us and let go of the world's version of what we think we are. That's what the text speaks of today, our version of the truth, our interpretation of the truth, the ego's interpretation of the truth, of reality. It's, and that's what we, we make all our adjustments to. When we need to make our, our adjustments to the truth in any way, shape, or form ever, because we're constant and changelessly peaceful, loving, spiritual beings living in a state of grace. That which is heaven goes with, with me everywhere, never leaves me. Thank you. I'm complete. Thank you, oh, thanks, Judy. Ida. I, I just, I want to just say, you know, even though if you recognize something and you realize it's not everything, but it's the light is growing, you know, this is not a cause for fear or judgment. 
it, recognizing it's not complete, but it's better, you know. Don't don't reject steps in the right direction. I mean, the, the way that healing occurs is we let healing be. <laughs> and I just wanted to All put that in there. All I was trying to say was Thank you. This, this book is not like science that we learned where and that and stuff where, you know, we can have it. If, if we can have it, if we have the partial thing. Either we have, if we don't have it completely, we don't have it completely. And like you said, Lemoyne, steps in the right direction are wonderful. And I've been making steps in the right, rejects, uh, steps in the right direction for a while. It was just something that came to me that it's not like the same. It's kind of like what we learned. It's like science and stuff that we learned in school. Thanks. I'm complete. I think this is Sandra, and I think it's that the the statement that God will take the final step, so that we don't compete. It's not a competition. All we do is put one foot in front of the other, and then let God take the final step. So. There's no competition either with ourselves or with our brothers and sisters. I'm complete. Thank you, Sandra. Right on. Good Thank morning, you, Sandra. Karen. I had some thoughts. Thank you, Sandra. Thank you, Ada. Beautiful, Ada. Beautiful. Great job. <laughs> anyway, um, I uh, I really enjoyed the reading today. It's very practical. Um, the discussion about the within. I was talking about this perception of some um, false self reality last week, and it seems like the course just you know it clarified it and put it back in words again. You know, there's this stranger within that made all these adjustments and reacts to an unreal world and lives and exists in an unreal world. And uh, so the Course was just saying, once again, you know, open your eyes and recognize that that's not real. So this morning on the earlier call I was sharing after the forgiveness, um, we, we meditated for five minutes on for, what is forgiveness. And I was sharing that I feel triggered by something repeatedly, and it's been going on for a really, really long time. And Reverend Pam said it's like, um, how did she say it, emotional acupuncture or spiritual acupuncture, that the point is, is stimulated again and again so that the unconscious block can be released. And it's so true. And I've also already recognized that it's not what I think is happening on the outside world, that it's something emotionally within me where I'm stuck with a block. And that block is what I keep perceiving and projecting outward. It isn't the outside thing that's happening. And, you know, I'd like to, I'd like to spiritually make it all go away, but but it seems like the Holy Spirit really wants me to release what's going on there because it will obstruct my ability to love and feel peace and have light and to be a powerful spiritual presence in the world if I'm not purified. 
so um, it was really interesting that I that I said to myself, sort of, I have isolated myself so completely that the world can't trigger me, you know, because the world was so painful when I was when I was young that I protected myself by isolation, and that's why this incredible, miraculous person is is appearing on the outside of my life, giving me this opportunity for healing. And it is what the Course says, you know, you should touch your brother's holy feet for helping you. Because how could you get there if you keep avoiding every situation that might induce um, a situation that this could come up? Anyway, it was really beautiful. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you to everyone on the call, and thank you for the course. The course is just so magnificent. I quote it to my daughters all the time, and I don't tell them that it's the course. But my younger daughter, who's the one who has a little baby, she gets it. She's quoting it back to me, you know, about interpreting and ascribing meaning and projection and all of it. It's the highest it's the highest psychology there is and it's such a gift. Especially for people who had a very distorted and very, you know, um adjusted perspective perception. I know. So anyway, I just wanted to express my gratitude to everyone on the call. And for this day, this glorious day. Amen. I'm done. Thank you. Oh, that was phenomenal, Karen. Thank you. Thank you for hearing it. I'm so glad to hear you sounding happy. Your um, your your um, comment isn't a good enough word to describe what I heard, Karen. But um, the fact that that you quote it to your daughters and your daughters quote it back to you uh, reminds me of, I think it's the manual for teachers. Correct me if I'm wrong about that. But it says everyone teaches and teaches all the time. And what he teaches is the thought system that he believes is true. In other words, um, the really clear way to say it is, uh, I like to quote Lee, when my awareness lands on the truth of me, when my awareness lands on the truth of me, it establishes the power of my peace over any circumstance. And it is, it's so true that when my awareness lands on the truth of me, just like in this reading it says, the world becomes a reflection of that truth. And I think it's somewhere in the Guide for Miracles. He says, God will shine upon your mind by himself. And your only task is to keep your mind clear so that it can be a clear reflection of the truth. Then um, I've had that same experience, that delightful experience of recognizing that in his heart, in in everyone's heart, is already the truth, you know, and and 
when my brother, my holy relationship partner, when life reflects it back to me, um, I discover that truth of me. Um, it's, it's quite miraculous. And it's um, why this is called A Course in Miracles, because my perception, whenever my perception is corrected to a direct experience, that's what he's talking about here, is a direct knowing, a direct experience. That means an experience that doesn't require my judgment at all. No judgment required. It's the judgment-free zone, this direct experience of truth. And after that, um, after that direct experience, in a holy instant, in the acceptance of the atonement, in any experience of a miracle, it becomes difficult uh, to take your mind backwards uh, to the way you used to believe. So I was, I was really glad when you when you highlighted that paragraph, prisoners bound in chains for so long, it takes a while to realize, it takes a while to realize that they're no longer bound to the idea of separation. And it certainly worked that way in my life. I mean, there was that holy instance many, 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 many years ago when uh, I knew I was home. But then there were all those intervening years where it took me a while to realize what that really meant. What that really meant. It's, it's as if, here's how it, how it was for me. It's as if accepting the atonement for myself had two parts. The first part, recognizing that I'm innocent and that God never condemned me. And that was life-altering for sure. I mean... I returned the awareness of, of love to me, love of my father. Uh, but then part two of the atonement experience is was for me, just like he says in the principles for miracles, you know, you have this instant of revelation where everything about unity and, and truth enters the mind. But then there is the translation of that experience into life and meeting life on life's terms rather than how I thought it should be or how I thought it was or uh, what my version of it might be. Meeting life on life's terms. Um, he says, Revelation, this is part of the principle for miracles that I just adore, he says, Revelation is such an intensely personal experience of the love of God that it can't be translated into words. But it can be, it can be brought to other minds through its attitudes toward other minds. In other words, part two of the atonement experience for me for all these years has been recognizing that everything I forgive restores that holy instant of revelation to my mind. And just as you say, Karen, you know, when you see the truth of a brother, you can scarcely, scarcely keep from 
kissing his feet for the awesome splendor of realizing that this one is part of me that, that unity is so complete and total that we already contain each other in our hearts and that every pain or instant of suffering or lack of understanding that caused me to weep was a consequence of trying to pluck pluck that one out of my heart to separate that one from me so the recognition and, and for me it was the most splendid miracle of all to recognize that this one who who I had joined and seen a problem with was actually totally without problems and already a part of me that's how he can say as he says in that paragraph I lost the page our union will be soon my friends my brothers and my my one self no I am one self united with my Creator this one self we share contains each and every one of us the splendor of this union what is heaven he says but union complete without one stain upon it and um, so for me it did take a while to realize all that freedom meant I can be free but unless I share my freedom uh, I won't see that perfect reflection that was revealed to me at the holy instant it took a while and that's what life is for that's what time is for that's what forgiveness is for that's what the body is for all these means you know the holy instant your holy relationship the Holy Spirit and all the means that God gives us are meant to um, help us realize and have this direct experience unmediated without an interpretation without judgment required without any spot or mar upon the perfection of this self we share everything we do you know in this group every day is um, orchestrated by Holy Spirit to help us realize this truth and as we hold out our our candles for each other um, we ignite a flame larger than, than any one of us could experience alone and that's why that's why we have each other as God's gifts you know I am entrusted with the gifts of God in lesson 166 is a beautiful lesson to uh, consolidate all of this you know I'm entrusted with the gifts of God I'm not this lonely stranger walking on a dusty road with broken feet tired and weary touch of Christ upon my shoulder reminds me I am like himself and each and every brother is God's gift to us to help us recognize our own perfection my gratitude permits my love to be accepted without fear I couldn't know there's no way to know love is in me without 
a subject to love, you know. It's just that way. Love is that exchange of knowing this perfect unity. It's um, it's not a doing. It's it's a being, and um, we need each other for that experience. So I'm so grateful, and um, thank you everyone for the light you hold, and um, you you just enhance my life so much. I'm complete. Thank you, Laurie. That was just so beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much, Laurie. You know, this, this, um, the other thing that's really splendid about, about this section, sin is an adjustment, you know, um, that, I mean, in words, that is like a real mind twister, sin is an adjustment, but, um, a place, a place that really helped me with it, uh, was, Way back in chapter 12, when he talked about attainment of the real world, there's just this one sentence that's so perfect. It says, you have been wrong about the world because you have misjudged yourself. You've been wrong about the world because you have misjudged yourself from such a twisted reference point. What could you see? All vision starts with the perceiver, and you're, you were so right about that, Judy. All vision starts with the perceiver who judges what is true and what is false. And what he judges false, he just does not see. You know, when, when I'm blind to something, this is why the discussion of triggers is so valuable. Because when I'm blind to something, uh, I, need, I need something to point out my blindness. I simply can't see it. And uh, and when that started to become clear or clearer, uh, the thought occurred that I I do not carry in my pocket a list of all my beliefs. I don't. You know, there there's not a mechanism whereby uh, I can pull something out of my pocket and say, oh, here's a reflection of uh, belief five A. <laughs> 
you know, it doesn't work like that. It works like uh, here's something that doesn't jive with what I'm thinking or believing or feeling or uh, experiencing, you know, in my internal environment. Here's something that doesn't jive. What's, what's likely the cause of this problem? Now, the ego would say the likely cause of this problem is the world. But truth would say uh, you're holding some belief that you're not aware of. And this is something shining a light on that belief. Not on me, but it's shining a light on that belief so that I can correct that mistaken idea. That's the way... um, Forgiveness operates, you know. Uh, here's something that doesn't jive. The mind says it doesn't. It must be your fault, its fault, the world's fault, that problem, uh, that whatever. Uh, but forgiveness says what you thought, what you thought your brother did or whatever you thought that belief, whatever that was, is mistaken. It it isn't like that. So time, the purpose of time and the purpose of of forgiveness is to shine a light on these mistaken beliefs that are hidden to my mind. It's irrelevant how they got there. That doesn't matter at all. He says, uh, mind is a very powerful creator. It can create worlds. It can create and make a world that is so far from reality uh, it isn't even funny. Um, but to correct the corrector, sorry, to correct the creator, to correct the mind is the purpose of forgiveness. And so when I look and wait and judge not, look and wait and judge not, I come to realize that my mistaken belief caused mistaken judgment and that mistaken judgment is what has so disturbed my peace. So I think that's what he means by it takes a while for prisoners bound in chains to realize that in your brother is your freedom. In your brother your freedom lies. When I learn how not to judge my brother which is really the essence of judging myself, when I learn how not to do that, the judgment I laid upon my mind, of which I was blind, is lifted. Now, beside each one of you is one who holds the chalice of atonement. And uh, and forgiveness is, is the most powerful tool that I have for um, the correction of my mind. Uh, anyway, just a couple more thoughts about sin as an adjustment. It's the idea that sin is real and how all the beliefs I have about it interfere with my true seeing. Um, so anyway, I'm complete. Thank you, Lori. I'd like to respond to that, but I'll let people thank you first. Thank you, Lori. Thank you, Lori. Thank you, Lori. Thank you. Thank you, Lori. Thank you, Lori. That was really, really magnificent. And um, 
as you were speaking, I was trying to apply that to what I've been going through. And it's, it feels like it's not at the, the level of a, of a belief, but it's an emotion that's trapped inside me, unconscious trapped inside of me. You know, that place where there's anger, but I don't know what it's about or can't, I can't release it or undo it. It just keeps popping up again and again. And being triggered um, in, the, in the way that the Course was describing forgiveness would be to um, quietly step back and allow and look and judge not and feel. <laughs> it's not about it being even in any context of the mind and the thoughts. It's just a, it's just a really old emotion, really, really old habitual emotional place that's never been purified with the Holy Spirit before. Um, and I even want to take the risk of going a little further and saying what it is. You know, it's like um, my mother was a rageaholic and always beating my brothers with crap and swearing profusely. And I used to run down in my room when she would leave me alone for one second. And, I, and the mantra in my mind was, I hate her, I hate her, I just... Make her shut up. <laughs> Just make her shut up. Make her shut up. Make her stop. Make her stop. And that's the mantra I keep feeling inside my emotional body, having nothing to do with what's going on externally, but the grace of someone being put in my life that helps me to access it. It helps me to access it. And the accessing is not to not to introspect and go into a big therapy drama and do a lot of catharsis, none of that. It's just to quietly step back and still judge not and let it pass through and feel it. But, you know, it's so hard to feel something that you've been afraid of all your life and that you've judged as extremely negative and dark and you know, it's not spiritual, God forbid, it's not love, you know, to have this mantra going on emotionally inside, like, I hate, I hate her, I hate her, I hate her, but it's, it's not real at all. It's just something stuck in the unconscious or the subconscious. And it's a gift, it's a gift to allow yourself to feel it. And I need to learn to do that because years and years ago, I mean, I've done it with Fears. I've done it with crying about my losses, you know, the people that died, the people that left me or abandoned me. I've done it with, with the other two chakras that are holding the ego emotions. But this one is, is up for the present moment to be purified. And that's God's gift. That's a gift. And then, the, you know, the power that it holds will be gone. I'm complete. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank that you, was thank a you. powerful share. That was very powerful, Karen. Thank you. And you know, you pointed me. Um, here's where we're going to end this recording. Um, because you pointed me straight to this. You pointed all of us straight to this. It's in section, uh, chapter 12, section 3. The reason you must look upon your delusions and not keep them hidden is that they do not rest on their own foundation. 
In concealment, they appear to do so, and thus they seem to be self-sustained. This is the fundamental illusion on which they rest. For beneath them, beneath them and concealed as long as they are hidden, is the loving mind that thought it made them in anger. And the pain in this mind is so apparent when it is uncovered that its need of healing cannot be denied. Not all the tricks and games you offer it can heal it, for here is the real crucifixion of God's Son, this loving mind that thought it made these delusions anger. And yet he is not crucified. Here is both his pain and his healing, for the Holy Spirit's vision is merciful and his remedy is quick. Do not hide suffering from his sight, but bring it gladly to him. Lay before his eternal sanity all your hurt and let him heal you. Do not leave any spot of pain hidden from his light and search your minds carefully for any thoughts which you may fear to uncover for you. He will heal every little thought which you've kept to hurt you and cleanse it of its littleness, restoring it to the magnitude of God. Isn't that phenomenal? The loving mind that thought it made these things in anger. That says that love came first. That love was the first truth. Let him heal you. Amen. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for the beautiful, beautiful call. Thank and for you, your Lori. openness. Thank you for that. Thank you, Laurie. Thank you, everyone. Thanks, everybody. Thanks. So beautiful. Love you guys.